If we haven't met before, my name's Rachel, and I'm part of the team here at the 11 a.m., and just part of the team generally at Woody's, and it's my privilege and joy to um, preach this morning on our new series, which is looking at the book of Acts, and we are looking at this same Jesus, this wonderful Jesus that we have just been worshipping. We're going to get a bit kind of under the skin of who he is and what that means. And this week on Tuesday, we had a, a team leader sort of meeting for, for, for Woody's and we got together and we decided just to spend a little bit of time at the beginning to talk about what we could see Jesus doing amongst us in our church community and it turned out to be really exciting. I had a hunch that it might be but I just thought it was so exciting. We heard stories of people coming to faith in Jesus, people who had were atheists deciding that Jesus, there was something in this person called Jesus that was worth investigating, becoming a Christian and then being baptized at Southside, our South, Southside congregation. How cool is that? And, uh, you know, someone who wasn't a Christian, didn't grow up a Christian, not from a Christian family, not from sort of Christian culture, has decided to follow Jesus. We, talked, we spoke about the many hot dogs that were given away and how full this church was in the student welcome where there were students from all over the world, all over the city coming to eat uh, in this place and be welcomed to our city. We talked about how um, on last Sunday night there were rows and rows and rows of students sitting at the back of church at the 6.30 service who aren't white British but from other countries all over the world and how wonderful it is to see that God is doing something not just in our country but in other countries in the world that this Jesus that we worship is not just Jesus of England Western Christianity but Jesus of the world and how cool is that and uh, yeah there were lots of other stories as well but I haven't got time to go into them all but just be assured that God is at work in this city God is at work in this church, and God is at work in lots of other churches as well, in this city and around the world. And there's a, yeah, there's a momentum and a shift that is, that is happening where, where God is moving. And God is always at work. Don't get me wrong. God is always at work. He doesn't take a day off. He does kind of take the Sabbath off. But you know, you know what I mean. He's always at work, and he's at work right now. And I don't know whether you feel like, I need a bit of hope today. I need a bit of hope from this King Jesus. I need a bit of hope for my own personal life. I totally get that. I often feel like that. I look at the world and I see how dark it is and how awful it is. I look at my life and see how kind of crazy mixed up it is sometimes. And I think, yeah, I need King Jesus. And if you need King Jesus today, let me tell you, he is here by his spirit. And anything can happen. It's easy to say that, but I believe it. Anything can happen because King Jesus is here. The same Jesus is here that was the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. The same Jesus is here who we read about in the book of Acts when Jesus poured out his spirit on the early church and the church spread like wildfire. The same Jesus is here that has been working and transforming lives from 2,000 years ago up to this point. This is the same Jesus that we worship today. And that's where we're going this morning. I want to read our passage. It's from the book of Acts, which if you're unfamiliar with the Bible and you're not kind of sure about um, the books in the Bible, let me just quickly say that there's four gospel accounts in the New Testament. These are the biographies of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Luke wrote, which book did he write? 
It's not, it's not a trick question. Which gospel did Luke write? Luke, yeah. Just funny thought. I'm just checking to see if you're listening, basically, and you're clearly not. Yeah, Luke wrote Luke. <laughs> what other book did Luke, Luke at write? Oh, sorry, I'm getting my... Thank you, I'm getting my... It's like a tongue twister. Yeah, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So Luke is book one, Acts is book two. So Luke knows a thing or two about Jesus. He knows a thing or two about Jesus' life. He was a historian. He, he um, researched his, his content and his sources were you know, well thought about. And his, what he provides in the book of Luke and Acts is not just kind of like a few funny stories. He, you know, he goes into detail. So we're reading Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And this is what Luke says. In my former book, which is, well done, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because the disciples were kind of set on this thing that they thought Jesus should kind of overthrow the Romans. And they wanted a country and a kingdom of their own. They wanted Israel to be back in the hands of the Jews. And Jesus was like, oh, you're just not getting it, guys. And so he pivots and said... It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That is just, let's take a moment, that is so bonkers, isn't it? He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him. They were looking intently up into the sky. I bet they were, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? That's a silly question for the angels to ask, isn't it? Obviously, they're looking for Jesus. This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Wow, so much in there, so good. It's this really interesting story and scenario. This, this, I'm so captivated by this idea of Jesus just disappearing before their very eyes up into a cloud. I've just, I've just spent a lot of time thinking about this, that scenario this week, and it's just baffling, but also crazy, and also scary, also shocking. And why were they standing there looking up? Did, were they expecting him to like, do a U-turn and come back down again? Or were they expecting to catch a glimpse of him floating somewhere? You know, oh yeah, oh, 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 oh yeah, there he is. You know, like when they're spotting a balloon sort of floating over the house. I just think they were probably totally shocked. Totally shocked. Where Jesus has gone. He's, he's gone again. He's gone. And then the angels say, you know, what are you, what are you looking at? Why are you looking for him? Silly question. But do you know what? I think that was so totally done on purpose. Jesus needed them to know that he was going, that he had gone. 
Jesus could have gone any other way, but he wanted them to see it and it to be totally t- visible and tangible to them so that there was no like, well, he might come back. He, you know, actually, he, he is gone. He is as gone as a gone thing on gone day. You know that day when everything goes? He is gone there and he's not coming back yet. He is going to come back in person like he went. But for the moment, he's gone. And it's almost as if the angels are saying, he's gone, and now it's over to you. You need to know he's gone, because you need to grasp hold of the commission that he's going to give you and has given you. And I think that's what is, what is going on here. Um, a few years ago, when our, we had, just had two kids and we lived in Birmingham, my lovely husband took them out for the afternoon to a local park because he was uh, an RAF cadet leader. And they had this festival, this, this fete in the park, and there was loads of fun rides and things for kids to do, and it was going to be a really sort of active activity sort of afternoon. And he took the, the kids with him to give me a break, which I was very thankful for. I think I might have been pregnant with another one. So I thought, yeah, feet up, cup of tea, read my book, great. And uh, Martin had been there with his cadets and some other leaders, and it came, um, became apparent to him as time went on that he had lost one of the children. Every parent's worst nightmare, a crowded park, and you cannot find your three-year-old. I mean, it's just, it makes me feel slightly sick thinking about it. I lost one of mine in Matalan once. That was enough to nearly give me a heart attack. But Martin had, well, Martin hadn't lost him, to be fair. Sam had wandered off. He'd wandered off. He'd seen something and wandered off. And Martin couldn't see him anywhere. So he gathered the cadets together and said, look, I need you to go find my son. You need to go, scatter, search high and low. Go find him. And sure enough, one of them found him, this little boy, um, as in Sam, the little boy, and brought him back to Martin. He'd been found. And you know, it's kind of what Jesus is doing. He's saying, like, there's only so much I can do. I mean, Martin could have gone searching high and low around the, around the park. He'd have been one person doing that job. It would have run him ragged and he would probably missed him. But it was so much better to send out a whole lot of other people to go and search for Sam. And that's what Jesus is kind of saying. I've got to go, and now it's your turn. The mission continues. The way the mission continues is different to how it was up to this point with me. Now it continues in a different way. The mission hasn't changed. The mission to reconcile people to God, to extend God's kingdom, all this is the same. But the way in which we're going to do it is different. And this is what Jesus is saying. There's three things I want to kind of drill down into that as we look at this passage. And the first thing is, the same Jesus that was in the gospel is the same Jesus that lives in us according to his Holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit. It says, um, I think I've got a slide for this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus here today in this room, and there may be many people of all different kind of like stages and places of faith, and we love that. If you're here just checking out church, thinking about Christianity, wondering if Jesus is real, we are so glad you're here in this building. And there's no pressure to believe. We actually believe Jesus is worth following. But if you don't want to follow him, (laughs) that's totally fine. We're really glad that you're in this space with us. But if you are a Jesus follower, you have the Spirit of God residing in you, living within you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Spirit of Jesus 
who we just read about, we've been worshipping and thinking about and talking about, he is living within you by his Holy Spirit. It's kind of mad, isn't it? It's a mad thing to think about and, and wrap our heads around because we're really aware of our humanness. I'm very aware of my humanness. You know, I'm aware that I'm a mixture of emotions and things and a mixture of brokenness. You know, I've got my own brokenness. We all have. I've got my own issues. You've got a bag, a load of issues. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, by the way. I just know that in a room of this size, all of us will be having issues and struggles and problems and things that we're navigating. You don't need to be a prophet to know that. You just need to be breathing. We are very human, aren't we? All of us are. God's made us that way. But we're not just only very human. We also have the Holy Spirit living within us. The Spirit of Jesus is in us. Wow. And it's probably going to take us a lifetime to understand what that means and to comprehend what it means to be filled with the Spirit on, on a daily basis. I mean, that thing of like the Holy Spirit grows fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. And the other one that I've forgotten. <laughs> um, what was it? Goodness and faithfulness. Those two very important ones I obviously need to work on. Um, he grows those in us. The gift of the Spirit, prophecy, boldness, teaching. He wants to give us gifts and put them in us and help us to be these men and women who speak of Jesus, who love Jesus, who, whose life just kind of echoes around to everyone who Jesus is. And maybe we just think about that and think, oh gosh, that's just not me. I'm not like that, you know. I'm not asking you to be me or to be Nigel or to be Dave. What we need to be is the, the best, truest person that God has made us to be that looks like us, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. When they found Sam and they brought him back to Martin, Martin said, how did you know it was Sam? He didn't, it's before mobile phones and pictures on our phones in our pockets and that sort of stuff. And they said, oh, we just, it was easy. He just looked like you. Which is weird because Sam was three at the time <laughs> and Martin was 37. But there was a family likeness that they could see in Sam and knew he belonged to Martin. And there's a family likeness that's meant to be in us as Jesus followers that, that looks like Jesus. We're meant to be mini Jesuses. I mean, I've got the hair. But we're meant to be more than just hairy, curly. I, who, who might not have curly hair, just joking. But we're meant to be like Jesus. We're meant to love like Jesus and have compassion like Jesus. We're meant to look like him. Do you look more like Jesus today than you did a year ago? That's a challenge, isn't it, for us all? It's the same Jesus that tells us to go and witness to him, witness for him to the world. There's a slide here as well. Thank you. You know, he gives us his power because he's given us a calling. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit because he's called us to go and to witness to him. The Holy Spirit isn't just meant to be kept in church on a Sunday. We love kind of having our knees up and celebrating. We love a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We love prayer ministry. We're going to pray for people in a minute. We absolutely love doing that. We believe that the Spirit of God is here and he wants to meet people every time we gather. That is who he is and what he does. That is so normal for us. But also he's given us his Spirit because he's given us a calling that we cannot do in our own 
strength in our own energy. It's not about kind of great rhetoric or just being really good communicators or just being able to be brilliant at telling our testimony in three, three minutes. All those things are really great. It's about us just being Jesus to the world, sharing him with our friends and neighbors and work colleagues, loving people who are difficult to love, speaking against injustice like Jesus would, loving the marginalized and the ones that no one notices because that's what Jesus would do. And it's a big audacious call that Jesus gives the disciples to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I mean, I have, they probably had no idea what the ends of the earth meant. I mean, it must have just been a like moment. The ends of the earth. These were men and women who lived in a tiny part of Israel. They, they didn't have cars and airplanes to go anywhere. They just lived in their little tiny community. They might have known the Lake of Galilee really, really well, like the back of their hand, but they didn't know the ends of the earth. What even is the ends of the earth? And yet Jesus gives them this audacious, massive call. And do you know what? They did it. They didn't know how to do it or what that meant. They didn't probably have a strategy. They just went. They took a step. And I think that's what God is asking us to do. Take a step. What does taking a step look like for you this week? What does taking a step look like for you? Not being put off by the mountainous call of going to the ends of the earth. God will figure that stuff out. But what does it look like for you to take one step? There's an amazing image in Revelation 7 verse 9 that the the, um, apostle John has this prophetic picture of the end of time when Jesus comes back and everybody is worshipping him. And it's so beautiful. I'm just going to read it. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And there are people there from every tribe, every ethnicity, every language, every country in the world. What an incredible picture that Jesus is not just for white Westerners. Jesus is king of the world. You know that song we just sang? He's the the potentate of time. Anyone clock that very strange lyric and crown him with many crowns? Amazing hymn. But we all just sang, he's the potentate of time. Who knows what potentate means? I googled it, got to be honest. I did. Because I thought, I think I know what it means, but I'm not quite sure what potentate. Ruler. He is the ruler of time. Jesus is the ruler, the authority, the sovereign over all of time and all of people and all nations and everyone. He just sung that. He's the potentate. Try and get that into a conversation this week. Oh, yeah, the potentate of time. That's right. I challenge you. Let me know if you do. But that's who Jesus is. And that's who we're called to worship. And that's who we're called to invite into the kingdom to get to know. So this week, what does that one little step look like for you to do that? And my, my third little point, I really want to kind of say this. Jesus will return. This same Jesus in the Gospels, in Acts, living with us, 
inside of us by his spirit, ministering and changing people's lives right now, is going to come back. He's going to return. He's going to return. The men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. You know, when I was 15, I could not imagine how the whole world will see Jesus return. Because I'm quite old, and it was before we had, we had four channels on our TV. There were no computers or mobile phones. I'm not that old, but, you know, middling old. And I thought, how could the world see Jesus return? Do you know what? The world could easily see Jesus return now. We could have it on our phones. I watched the Twin Towers fall down. We did, didn't we? It was shocking and terrible to see such devastation and pain and evil unfurl in front of our very eyes. But one day, the beautiful king, Jesus, will return and we will all be able to see it if we're still alive. It might be way into the future. No one knows, not even Jesus. But the world will see him return. And we need him to return, don't we? We need him to come back and put the wrongs right. We need him to come back and put evil completely, stop it in its tracks. We need him to come back and overthrow the injustice and bring his justice. We need him to come and bring his judgment. Because there's so much injustice, there's so much pain, there's so much evil. We see it in our, on the news, we see it in our communities, we see it in our city. We see it all the time. But one day will come when Jesus says, enough. And he wraps it up and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be here in this place. Not just in this little place, but in this space. And the two will come together and Jesus will set it right. And that brings hope to us. We're holding on to that. Because we know how painful it is to be human. And how difficult it is to be human. And how hard it is to do life in this world. Yesterday I was at a Thanksgiving memorial service for Dave and Emily Parker's little boy, Josh. Uh, no, not Josh. Sorry, Joel. I've got a Josh. For little Joel. And it was painful to be there. Because he was four. And his life has been terribly taken in a terrible wave through sickness that should never have happened. It's wrong on every level. And yet, in that service, there was hope. And there was, it was beautiful. It was sacred space, sacred ground. As we held the pain in one hand, but remembered Jesus in the other. And they were magnificent, Emily and Dave. They were amazing, and their families were amazing. As they spoke of their pain, but they spoke of the love of Jesus as well. Only God can do that. Meet us in the mucky, evil, wrong that is our, in our lives sometimes and bring redemptive, beautiful, sacred moments. He does that for you today. He wants to do that for you. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to bring his hope and his healing and his blessing. I need to finish. I just want to share this one little picture that I had this week as I was praying and preparing for the sermon. And it was a picture of a lorry on a motorway where, you, you know, when you drive and you see the little sign on the back and it says, this vehicle has been limited. Its speed is limited. It's got a cap on how far it can go, how fast it can go. And I just felt like in, the thoughts in my mind came, and I think it was the Holy Spirit said, actually, so many of us, we live within a limited way. 
We limit what God can do in us. We limit our expectation of what he wants to say. We limit our imagination of how God can use us. We limit ourselves and our lives because of what other people have said to us and maybe put on us things that they should never put on us. And we should not be accepting and kind of like allowing them to limit stuff. Disappointment limits us. When pain comes, that can limit us. You know, I know what that feels like to, to be disappointed when the prayer is not answered that you've prayed faithfully for and it's not seemingly answered. And that, that disappointment can put a limit on what we then pray for. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, encourage them, encourage me to be brave and lift off the limiter. To ask God to remove the limits that we place on ourselves and to be honest about that. And to say, God, I don't want to live with the limitations that I've put on me and other people have put on me and my circumstances have put on me. I want to live brave. I want to live with faith. I want to live surrendered to King Jesus because he's worth it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and to minister to us. Bring to mind the limits that we place on ourselves, that others have placed on us. That you just want to do business with us this morning and move us on and lift us out of those places where we just feel a bit trapped and small and stuck. Jesus, you meet us in our pain. You meet us in the loss. Those places are sacred spaces to you. And I just pray, Spirit of God, for those of us that are here that are in those places, please, Spirit of God, meet us. Would you bring Jesus to us in those places right now? As we take communion and as we remember your death, and your resurrection. Meet us again, we pray. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, the same Jesus who walked this earth is the same Jesus that lives in us by his spirit. Blow your faith through our hearts and minds today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.